We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 136. We are recording during extra innings on Sunday night. Chapman just blew the save. Scott, when he doesn't have it, he does not have it. He is like a lost puppy out there just winging it. Some guys can sort of battle through, but when Chapman doesn't have it, and it doesn't happen all the time, but I have no confidence in him sometimes. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because, one, if he doesn't have it, you can get rid of all of the other secondary pitches too because he just throws the fastball. Then you got guys like, if you're playing a team like the Cubs who have you know good hitters up and down the lineup, they can hit the fastball. I don't care if it's coming 103 or 95. It doesn't matter. It's a fastball. They can hit it. Major League players can hit a fastball if they know it's coming. So, yeah. But, but when he's off, his, you know, his, his control is everywhere. So, frustrating. Three-run lead, you got to close that up. Especially about the team that you just came from, you got to close that up. And unlike that game against Boston a couple weeks ago where he, he looked gassed for whatever reason, he was throwing 96, which is soft for Chapman. I mean, he was throwing hard tonight. He just, like you said, he couldn't locate. And so he walked the leadoff hitter and he fell behind every hitter, gave up a couple hits. Nothing was really hit that hard. But yeah, walking, walking guys and then <laughs> fell behind Bryant, had to put him on. You could tell uh, Girardi didn't want to automatically intentionally walk uh, Bryant because I don't think he His had control. confidence. Yeah, yeah, he had no confidence in Chapman's control. And first pitch, Bryant's, or excuse me, Rizzo standing all over the plate like he did. I, I could just sense something like that was going to happen. Hit him right in the forearm. I don't know how his forearm didn't shatter, first of all, because <laughs> that thing, that hit thing, the side of the forearm, it looked like it hit smack on the bone. That That is a, uh, that's a, that's a career ender for Mark Teixeira. Career ending <laughs> bat on well, ball. Well, he did or, have wrist issues. Yeah, I'm telling you that was that would uh, that would end a career if it was no matter when in the career that was that's done. But yeah, I mean the dude was all over the place and you know, of course, blowing that three-run lead. You can't I mean when when your controls all over the place, they're just going to sit there and wait for you and that's what happened. Anyone that, blaming Joe West tonight, please. I like I'm so there's nothing I hate more than blaming umps, refs, whatever it may be in sports. That's the lamest excuse ever. No, I mean he's frustrating. You can swear yeah, and curse at him. But, but it's not his fault. He, he was equally sucky for the Cubs too tonight. Yeah, it's not it's not on the umpire. I mean, it's it's on Aroldis Chapman 100%. And it's it, it ruins a otherwise amazing weekend in Wrigley. 
Yeah, I don't know if it. I don't know if it ruins the whole thing, but oh, it ruins it for me. I'm first in a of bad all, the mood. I was in a great outcome, mood earlier. Yeah, well, that's because this is just happening right now. I mean, we're in the tenth. It's still, it's still going on, and we don't know the outcome of the game yet. But the fact is, is that they should have won that game. They should have swept. Everything was going perfectly. You get your closer in. Ellsbury gives you another couple of runs, and you can't you can't finish the deal. I mean, come on. This is why we paid you all this money, kid. Let's do it. Karma for maybe stealing that win on Friday afternoon. I guess I don't know. <laughs> That's not karma. That was a beautiful win. There's no yes. karma for for a for a win like that when Gardner comes in and hits a hits a bomb in windy conditions. Speaking, no karma for that. Speaking of that that stolen win on Brett Gardner's three run homer, use code Gardner for twenty five percent off in the Bronx Pinstripes fan shop. Got bunch of sweet gear in there el kraken who is back we got the judge shirts we got all sorts of stuff so go check it out on bronxpinstripes.com fan shop also on bronxpinstripes.com you can get your ticket to the june 10th event we're about a month away so if you have not bought your ticket yet go buy it we are approaching our our ticket goal i don't want to say limit because we got word maybe we can go over but we're we're approaching our goal yeah, we're right at that. We're we're getting close to the uh, the original allotted amount of. Originally, it was one hundred. Then it went up to to two fifty, and there's talk uh, of them extending it, but it's not one hundred percent yet. So if you haven't gotten your tickets, they've been uh, they've been coming in all weekend too. Go get them and uh, make sure that you get your spot for that for the uh, for the June tenth event. Also, we're gonna have keep an eye out if you if you are waiting for whatever reason and. Uh, the tickets are still available. We are going to have kind of a hard deadline for to get your T-shirt for that day, too, because we, obviously we have to get them printed and such. So uh, keep an ear out for that, too. Tell any Yankee fan you may know, any friend who who maybe is on the fence about getting in involved in this Yankees team this year, although I don't know why they would be at this point, to come and buy tickets to that June 10th event. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. Before we get into it, let me tell you a little a bit about Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is a leisure wear company. They sell some ridiculously comfortable shirts, hoodies, pants, socks, underwear. This is the one-stop shop for all men's leisure wear. I am currently wearing the sweatpants. And also, if you work from home like I do, and you don't want to get dressed very often, and you want to wear something very comfortable during the day, again, like I do, Go for Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon has some really comfortable stuff. The sweatpants are awesome. They are uh, extremely comfortable. You can even use them for working out. Sometimes I don't change, and it's a, it's a good thing for me because it's very, very convenient. Not only do they have awesome stuff, they have underwear, socks, shirts that look good, but they perform very well every day. You can get 20% off MacWeldon.com by using promo code BRONX. Again, that's MacWeldon.com, 20% off using the promo code BRONX. All right, let's get into it. So, like we've been saying, we're recording during the game, so we might have a a uh, range of emotions depending on if the game is resolved right here. But I don't want, to, it, like I said, it kind of is ruining my mood about this weekend. But it has been a great weekend in in Wrigley. The Yankees certainly made a statement going in against the defending world champs into their house, and they stole that game on Friday. They kicked their ass on Saturday. It looked like they were going to win. Uh, with the sweep too but the thing that stuck out to me and it sort of uh, has been the trend all season the main reason the Yankees I think their offense is rolling is because their outfield production has been off the charts all four of their outfielders have been playing way better than we thought they were going to obviously Judge I mean we've talked about Judge on every single episode Gardner who had the three run homer on Friday Ellsbury who did have a home run in his first game back on Sunday night and also Hicks with the huge game batting in the two-hole. It seems like Girardi loves putting him in that two-hole because he's a switch hitter. But Hicks has been tremendous as well. The Yankees have four outfielders who probably all deserve to be starting right now. Yeah, and Gardner started off very slow. This is a guy that I was listening on the ESPN broadcast, and I didn't, I hadn't realized this, but 10 days ago they said he had zero home runs and zero RBIs, and now he's got five home runs and 10 RBIs. So he's had a hell of a 10 days, that's for sure. He's had two games where he's had two home run, or multi-home runs, and you know he's definitely come on. Because before that, there were definitely, you know, there were, there were people talking about, well, hey, if Gardner continues on this trend, including us, including me, if Gardner continues on this trend and Hicks continues on his trend, this is an easy decision. Gardner is going to have to sit. 
and Hicks is going to have to get more playing time. But Gardner obviously saw what they were doing, heard the whispers, and started to perform on a ridiculous level. So, I mean, he's as hot as anybody right now. The whole, the whole, And now all four of them are hot together. So, yeah, you're right. The production's been pretty phenomenal. Gardner is notoriously a streaky hitter anyway, and, and yeah. he's in the middle of one of those streaks. And And who knows, maybe because he was kind of – I thought he was playing well at the beginning of the season, and then he had that collision. So maybe maybe that kind of screwed him up a little bit. Who knows? But it, it's a good problem for the Yankees to have where they have four outfielders that all need playing time. Uh, Judge, I mean, they're not – I don't think they're doing anything with Judge because he's been their best player and he's a rookie, so they're not going to mess with his time. So it's really, other than occasional days off for Judge, it's three players for two spots. It's, it's how Girardi's going to manage having Hicks, Gardner, and Ellsbury in the lineup. Sunday night, we saw Ellsbury and Hicks in because of the le- uh, lefty Lester on the mound. But I think Girardi's going to do anything in his power to keep getting Hicks in that lineup. I cannot not talk about that swing from Chris Carter. I'm sorry. We were watching this game. I don't know if you have it on, but it was a 10-foot swing and miss. He missed the ball by 10 feet. 10 feet. <laughs> I saw it. Oh my god! This is why we can't record during games because I cannot hold. I cannot hold back. This well, is I also can't stay up until three o'clock in the morning for a May baseball game. Unbelievable! No, the the fact that Girardi is going to have to you know do the juggling right. Look, it's a very good problem. There's going to be days. You know, last year we saw when when he wanted to get Hicks in that fourth outfielder spot. It, it's it's good to have a guy that is playing well. I mean, he's going to play quite a bit. So, and especially as you get into the season. When there's less days off, you know, the four outfielder thing is not going to be a problem. But, you know, all of these guys are most likely not going to be hitting as well as they are at the same time, too. So there's going to be more days that are, I think, are obvious for for someone to sit. Are you buying what Hicks is doing? I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't really know the player, I guess, you know. I don't think anybody does. We saw what he was last year. We heard about the immense talent. We know he's a first-round draft pick that, that has, you know... All world abilities. I heard someone saying that he was a he's a scratch golfer. He's, he's a hell of an athlete. Yeah, A Rod so, said that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, look at the A Rod knows. A Rod knows the, the the back end stuff because because how well you you hit it on the links is a direct correlation to how well you can hit a fastball at ninety six wow. miles an hour. I understand, but I think he's, he's just speaking to the athleticism, and right. we knew he was an athletic guy. But um, yeah, I, I don't know whether to buy it or not. I mean, he's playing well. He looks comfortable, so. You know, maybe this is a thing where he does. He needs to play more often, and he can get into a groove. I don't know. It's too too short of a time for me to know what kind of a player he is. How do you think uh, Cashman's walking around with his chin held high, saying, "I told you so. I told you so." Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, first of all, the trade is a no brainer. Even if he didn't live up to the expectations, to me, it's still a no brainer. We said that from the beginning, the, though. Yeah, because of the catching depth. So the fact that he's doing this now, yeah. Oh, yeah, he looks good. Uh. I think also, like I said earlier, because he's a switch hitter, I think Girardi really loves sticking him in that two-hole. We saw him put Headley in the two-hole a couple times. Headley's kind of come crashing back down to earth a little bit, but I think Girardi loves having a switch hitter up, up at the top of the order. Oh, no doubt. I mean, he that affords him to do the lefty-ready thing with ease if he has a guy that he could trust in the two-spot that's a switch hitter. So, yeah, he loves that. The outfield production, though, has has been the catalyst to the offense. Um, obviously, there's other guys that are hitting. Castro's leading the league in hitting. But last year, their offense was horrible. And then, then when they traded away uh, Carlos Beltran, their offense uh, in the outfield was non-existent. And this year, like I said, four players who are all worthy of starting uh, performances or starting uh, positions. Does, though, the fact that they have all four of those guys maybe – let's see if Cashman wants to go shop Gardner or, or he's not going to shop Ellsbury because no one's going to buy him. But, but really Gardner is the, is the guy that would be moved if he keeps up this performance. Yeah. Or if they're double down on Hicks and Hicks is a guy will we'll, let's sell while he's as hot as possible. <laughs> be, you know, that, that, that's yeah. a possibility. You never know. But yeah, I, I think it definitely affords options. You know, there's also uh, you know, a slew of minor league outfielders that are, are highly touted as well in the Yankee system. So I think it does give him some options knowing that he has four guys that can play. But but let's not get too ahead of ourselves by, by you know, overreacting to a, a month and a few days of four outfielders playing very well. Because if you remember when we had the chaos on the, on the base path with Ellsbury 
and Gardner, they were both hot at the same time, and they both tend to do that in the beginning of the seasons. So let's see how this season progresses into the summer. And like you said before, Gardner is a streaky player. You know, this this could all come and come crashing back down to earth, and you know we could be calling for his head again. So the I don't I don't foresee this being you know an entire season of four guys playing out of their minds. Well, the fact that they are all playing really well and the Yankees are playing so well now has people saying, what are the Yankees going to do at the trade line? Who are they going to go out and trade for? That's been like the main talk this past week. Which is crazy that we've gotten to that point already, right? I mean, it's like the the fact that this team has has so overachieved is is pretty unbelievable. Like trade deadline trade deadline talk comes earlier and earlier in every year like christmas you see you see you see christmas decorations up after halloween you you hear trade deadline talk in may people love rumors they love rumors there's yeah. no doubt about it so it's fun to talk about the cuz it's like fantasy baseball it's like fantasy sports you know talking about trades it's it's very similar in the sense that you get to play gm so people like to do that the well, uh, i mean I, people I, would... I, no go ahead I'm just going to say I think the obvious choice is that the Yankees are going to go after a you know a pitcher, the, um, and and with the aforementioned outfield playing so well, then you have you have some bullets to throw at, at you know at some pitchers. There, it's not like there's well, like major major guys available um, for for those types of players. So yeah, Gardner. If you do trade a guy like Gardner, he's not getting you back a pitcher that's going to help you win now. No, no team is going to. Like, for instance, let's just use Jose Quintana as an example. The White Sox are not trading you Quintana for Brett Gardner plus others. They're trading you Quintana for young players, not old players. Oh, no doubt. That's why I'm saying there's a slew of outfielders. I mean, I'm not just saying Brett Gardner. I think they're because the, the, the outfield is a, is a position of depth at this point. It's a value position for the Yankees, even looking down into the minor leagues. I think that's an area where they can they can start looking at you know, maybe switching one of these outfielders into a pitcher or, you know, uh, tr- uh, combining a few guys and, and going out and getting somebody. And I don't think it's it's going to be a top line guy at this point. But again, it really does. It depends when, you know, where we're going to be in three months or two months, two and a half months. Well, it was that the Yankees are going to be sellers again at this trade deadline. It doesn't look like they're going to be sellers at the 2017 deadline unless things go horribly, horribly wrong over the next month and a half, two months. No, yeah, it's not not happening. I, I sort of said it earlier. Chase Headley has come crashing back down to earth over the last 15 games. He's batting 226 with a 284 on base percentage. Uh, I know he had a two run double on Saturday, but I was sort of joking on Twitter that I was going to eviscerate Headley after that inexcusable error in the ninth inning on Friday night. But uh, the, he's kind of turned back into a pumpkin, and, and people are, a li- I think, ignoring that because the team is still rolling. I don't think people are ignoring it. I think people are just so so shell shocked from what he did before that that they're not, you know, they're not looking at this as as something that they didn't think was going to happen. I mean, they they kind of knew this was going to happen. I feel like everybody was like, okay, he got up to a really hot start. When's it going to come? When's it going to come down? When's he going to wake up? And obviously, he is. So this is a, this is expected, I believe, from most Yankee fans. But. He was batting 400 after, say, the first 15 games and batting 226 in the next 15 games. How about he just hits 285? Yeah, maybe it'll maybe it'll land on 285 at the end of the season. Who knows? I mean, but what I'm saying he, is he's why playing not better. Just a, that's a for damn bit sure. Of a consistent performance. That's just give me a consistent because he's not a consistent player. That's just the bottom line. He, that's not who he is. He's not a guy that's going to hit 280 consistently. He's not a great hitter. He's a guy who gets hot and then doesn't, and then he sucks, <laughs> and then he goes. He got hot, and now he sucks again. But you know what? He he still is contributing. He uh, that that two run double on Saturday, like you said, like the guy's still contributing. Obviously, he's a he's a uh, you know a well respected and well liked guy in the clubhouse and is helping out some of these young kids. So who knows? He's a good he's a good veteran role player right now. We had a mailbag question last week about moving Headley over to first base and Therese at third while Bird is out. Uh, even though Headley's sucking right now, that's I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm so done with Chris Carter. I can't keep watching that guy every night. The side angle of that swing and miss was unbelievable. I mean... He was literally just swinging the bat, <laughs> and it didn't matter where the pitch was. That guy might not have even thrown the ball, and he would have swung. 
It was. It's so lazy. He closes I, his I, eyes and swings. I I swear to God he does. It's it's just it's the most ridiculous swing. But I mean, Holiday looked pretty good at first. I'm not you know just saying. Adequate. Pretty good over there. Adequate. Yeah. He made a throw over to second base on a ground ball to first base to get the force out, and I. I kind of forgot. I was like, oh, that looks like a guy who's played first base before. And I think he only has a handful of games in his career. He didn't play in spring training at all at first base, which is kind of weird. Yeah, but he he does have an experience from with the Cardinals. He's played first. So it's not a lot of games by any means, but he definitely uh, he's an athlete. He's an athlete. OK, he's an athlete. That's you all know, I'm saying. This guy did do anything. Old man strength. Put him anywhere on the field. He'll do it. Do you know what I said, Carter? I said he has a Jim Caldwell face where he just looks confused and lost as to where he is. Yeah, I don't, there's like no emotion. The dude just, he drives me nuts. I can't stand looking at his face. I really can't. He's really, I, I mean, I don't know how much longer we can actually, you know, put up with this because he's that bad. He really is terrible. Well, until Bird comes back. Yeah, and Bird's coming back soon. I mean, well, hopefully. Is it what, 10 days is 10 day is, uh, deal. End of next week, and then he's going to go to Scranton. Yeah. But let's play the hypothetical game. Bird comes back and looks equally as lost as he did for the last month. What happens he'll, then? He'll go to Scranton. Bird? He'll send him. Yeah, Bird will. He'll, he will. If, if he comes back and he is, quote, healthy and the bone bruise is a non-issue anymore and he's still struggling, they're going to put him in Scranton. They have they have no choice. At some point, they, they have, something has to give. They can't just let this guy out there. Every single day and just look lost because that's what he's looked. He's looked overmatched. Cashman said they weren't considering that, though. A couple, what was that, five, four or five days ago? Before he went on the DL, they said they were not considering sending him back down yet. Yeah, okay, at this point, and because they're probably using the, the, the ankle as an excuse. So if the ankle is fine and he's coming back after the rehab and he's still struggling, then it's got to be a consideration. It's a, I mean, they have to consider it. Whatever, if, even if he says he's not... There's no possible way they don't have meetings about that. Right. It was a homecoming for Castro and, to a lesser extent, Chapman. Um, I and, War- can- and Adam Warren. And Adam Warren. <laughs> and Adam- he got a World Series ring. <laughs> yeah, in behind closed doors. He, he was not well, invited to the cool club ceremony. What are you doing with that ring if you're Adam Warren? Uh, putting it in a shoebox, tucking it or putting it in a safety deposit box somewhere. That's, and it's oh, going to stay there for a long I'm time. I'm selling it. <laughs> yeah, maybe not now, though. I think you got to wait a little bit. Why? I don't know. I feel like it's gonna it'll increase in value. Yeah, maybe, maybe after 108 years. Uh, but Castro was definitely fired up going back home. You could tell he he had a little pep in his step. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you can tell that he, you know, I think I think he was definitely salty from getting traded. You know, at the, at that point that he did, especially for who he did. If you look back at that trade, it's <laughs> it's really terrible. It really is bad. They I traded mean, I him for like a, a bullpen piece, essentially, is what Warren was gonna be on the Cubs. Yeah, a bullpen piece and Brendan Ryan, who has a phenomenal mustache, but that's not enough to get Starling Castro, in my opinion. But I don't know how Theo. It's also a salary that. dump for the Cubs. I guess so, but were they really worried about that at that point? Well, no, yeah, they, because they they, wanted... they chose they chose Ben Zobrist over Starling Castro. That that. Over Starling Castro. That's what they did. But and at right, that point, so, they were just trying to get a, a bullpen. But they used the money saved from Castro to give it to Zobrist. Yeah, okay, but it's the same player. That's the thing. It's the same position. I mean, he's playing second base. I mean, granted, Zobrist has more flexibility, and he's more of a utility guy. But the money wasn't really saved. I mean, they gave a boat ton of money to Zobrist as well. So it wasn't a financial decision. It was a you-got-no-place-on-this-team decision. They don't think you're that good decision. That's what it was. It was a slight to Castro, no doubt. Uh, I think he's taken it that way. He I should. Don't I don't know if it, it actually was, but I think he's definitely taken it that way, which is fine I, if you're using it as a chip on your shoulder, more power to him. Damn right. I mean, I, I think what they saw is a guy who wasn't maturing at the rate that they wanted to. They knew that they were ready to go. They needed some veteran. They needed more veteran uh, leadership in that clubhouse. And when they saw Zobris was available, he's the guy that could play second base, can move around, do different things. He's the guy. We'd rather him. We'd rather that that guy who's a winner coming over from Kansas City, knows how to win. We need that in the clubhouse. And and Castro, I think, you know, was labeled as an immature guy at that point. And, you know, whether whether he had been there for the bad years or not, there was no no love lost there, I don't believe. And I think that's when they send him packing. And I think Castro does absolutely take it as a slate. Chapman got his World Series ring, was giving hugs to the to the Cubs players, and then they shoved it to him on Sunday night. Um, the 
getting back to this Sunday night meltdown from Chapman, uh, I mean, this just Yankees fans were so spoiled because we we didn't have that kind of paranoia when it came with Mariano Rivera for so many years. But when Chapman is lost, I feel like he has no shot on the mound, and it's a it's it's a real issue. I don't really, I don't think I get that feeling that he has no shot, though. I, I mean, he's still got the when you're when you're saying lost, you mean just the command is is out, command out is the lost. window at that yeah, point. Well, command is lost because he's he's always got. I mean, the stuff. Even tonight, it wasn't for a lack of stuff. It was now, for the it was the fact that he was behind every hitter two and zero. Do you think there's any correlation with the colder weather and Chapman not sweating able his to balls grip? off? Yeah, but it's still. I mean, your your hands are not your hands are still cold. You still got it's it's hard to get that grip on the ball. I don't know. I'm just saying. When he was in Boston, he was struggling cold weather. When he was tonight, he was struggling cold weather. He had some moments in the playoffs cold weather. The dude has has shown obviously when it's blazing hot out and he can grip that ball that he can lighten it past people um or there people are just waiting waiting for him to make a mistake waiting for him to to uh to to go outside the strike zone i don't know there's they're being more patient with him now too well i think just sometimes when he doesn't have his command he he kind of loses any sort of approach and it's just let me try and wing it up there as hard as i can and hope for the best sometimes that works it worked a couple weeks ago in boston he he got out of it couldn't get out of it this time yeah, I think it really depends on who you're you're playing too. And when you have an, an opponent like the Chicago Cubs who just won the World Series and have one of the best lineups in baseball, you're not going to get by with just that. Like I'm saying, everybody can hit a fastball if they know it's coming. They all can hit. And and it wasn't really a case. I mean, the Yankees tacked on a couple runs for insurance to make it four to one. Uh, I, they they did leave Judge at third base with no outs, but but again, they they it was a three run lead with Chapman going into the ninth. You you feel yeah, should confident. be game over. You should no should doubt. be game over. Yeah. Uh, the Saturday game was a romp, 11-6. to six. Uh, That was the game that everyone just got really mad at Tommy Lane. And uh, just a little FYI for everybody, Scott and I recorded our mailbag questions before the game. So we may say some stuff about the bullpen that might not line up exactly to what happened, what transpired on Sunday night. But I think overreacting after one game is not uh, also not smart. But uh, the 11-6 romp on, on Saturday um, – the only guy that didn't get into the party was Judge. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, he's allowed to have a bad day every once, once, once every two weeks. He's allowed to have a bad day. But um, yeah, it was it was good to see everybody else. Sanchez was. Uh, I, I tell you, when you look at the the possibilities with Judge and Sanchez together, um, that's fun. That's fun thinking about those two guys protecting each other and, and being in you know the center of your your the core of your lineup. That's. That's going to be freaking ridiculous if, if Judge continues to be the player uh, that he's shown in the first month and a half. I'm not going to lie. I got excited, like slightly aroused, watching Sanchez walk to the plate right after Judge. Okay. <laughs> I see. I mean, I, I'm expecting it to be vice versa, though, right? I mean, Judge is going to be if, – if you have the, um, the lineup slight, the, you know, putting in the way you, you think it's going to land, it's most likely going to land Sanchez-Judge. I don't know Whatever. Why. Whatever it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me, and hopefully the, Bird's there too. Yeah, there, there. Then he gets his righty, lefty, left, righty, lefty, righty. The Yankees uh, knocked Brett Anderson out of the game in the first inning, apparently with an injury. But I think he was just sort of uh, hurt feelings. He was throwing absolutely nothing up there. Do they have a DL stop for hurt feelings? Because yeah. he's now on the DL also. This dude was uh, was throwing junk. I mean, he was throwing nothing, and they were just lighting him up. So, yeah, I think his ego is a bruised. I think that's what that's a bone bruise. That's a deep bone bruise to the to the ego for Brett Anderson, who's been terrible this year, by the way. Lost in the Sunday night um, blown save was the fact that Severino bounced back from a horrible start last time out and looked really really good tonight on a huge stage. Sunday night baseball going up against John Lester, going up against the Cubs. He looked nasty. His stuff was popping. I mean, free and easy. This, this, I, I feel like I've said this a hundred times about him. When he's on, that fastball is just easily coming out of his fingers, and it's, uh, it, it just, it jumps on you. They had a, I don't know if you saw this, but it was, I think it was in warmups or one of the first couple pitches of the game. They had the camera behind uh, the catcher showing Severino throwing a ball, and it was a, it was a high, it was a, it was outside the zone. God damn! Did that ball pop on the uh, on the the batter? It feels like he's throwing 110 miles an hour with how easy it is. 
He was reaching 99 in the last inning that he pitched in the seventh inning. Yeah, they and they had they had a hundred on the on the gun at some point. I said last week I didn't buy it, but this is two starts in a row where the gun is reading high 90s and reaching triple digits. I I still think the guns something's going on with the guns this year, but he's got um, one of the fastest average velocities for fastballs. The highest the for yeah, he's got the highest for starters, and I believe it. I mean, whatever, whatever, it's it's definitely high nineties. This dude's throwing gas, and his changeup looked good. He had a strikeout in the first inning on on the changeup. Uh, the slider's looking good. So when that slider is on, that slider is a filthy pitch. It's that, I think that's his best pitch. Uh, but the the fastball with with that high velocity, if he can locate it, he's he's a uh, very very tough to hit. Did you see ESPN doing the breakdown of his mechanics between a slider and a fastball and potentially saying that he was tipping his pitches? Well, they were talking about that Boston game and the fact no, no, the Blue Jays game, the Toronto Blue Jay, game. Blue Jays game. And that they were looking for something. They were, but they also said that Rothschild went back and looked at the tape and didn't see anything. And the, the, the one screenshot that they showed with his foot at a slight angle, like, come on, <laughs> that, that, there's no way anybody's picking that up. And I... Did they show that it was repeated over and over again? They just showed one pitch. If if Rothschild looked at that and, and they decided that it wasn't anything, then I got to believe it wasn't anything. I mean, otherwise they would address it. But no, I'm mean, not buying what they said. Uh, Boone said that some players will, would be able to pick up on that. I guess maybe maybe like a handful of people in the major leagues can watch that foot, then also pick up the ball coming out of your hand, and that's and, and then pick up a, a hundred mile an hour fastball. That's a lot of that's a lot of things to look at. You know what I always wondered about tipping pitches is that uh, it would almost seem like it would screw with players more, like screw with batters more, because like you said, you're looking for something else instead of just concentrating on trying to hit the ball. You only have a split second to hit the ball, regardless. But like now, if you're thinking about okay, what's he doing with his glove? Is he tilting his foot? Is he is he wiggling his hand? Like is he turning his back more? Like all these little subtleties, I feel like will just screw with your head more than just trying to hit the ball. Yeah, I guess it just depends on when they're actually showing whatever whatever they're doing to show you. You know, in the that's why I think this this is complete horseshit with the with the foot because the foot it's coming up and you know it's landing within a quarter of a second and then you have to make the decision on what's coming out of his hand. There's so many things that are coming in that very split second that it's so late in the in the in the mechanics that I can't see very many people picking that up. All right, before we get into mailbags, I want to tell you guys about Zip Recruiter. Are you guys hiring? If you are, do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire and who wouldn't you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. With ZoopRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. You can find candidates in any city or any industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. There's no juggling emails and calls. You can quickly screen candidates. You can rate them, hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by uh, find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. Right now, listeners to the Bronx Pinstripe Show can post jobs to ZipRecruiter for free by going to ziprecruiter.com/bronx. Again, that's ziprecruiter.com/bronx. One more time, ziprecruiter.com/bronx. All right, Scott, let's get into some mailbags. The first mailbag question is from Zach Waters, and he says, I know one is still going on and recency bias is a thing, but whose run do you think was more exciting? Gary's in August and September of 2016 or Judge's in April and early May of 2017? Scott, I actually thought this was a really tough question to answer, and ever since I read it, I've been debating it in my head. Yeah, I think the biggest the biggest thing when you look at these two different scenarios is the time of the year, the time of the season when... They're occurring. Uh, Sanchez obviously came up and took took the world by storm when he was when he was up after the uh, after the trade deadline and when he got called in to take the everyday catcher's job, pretty much. And he was just hitting bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb, and it was actually putting the Yankees in a position to potentially compete, one that we never even thought was possible. So I feel like that one to me was 
was more exciting in the moment. Whereas Judge now, there's just, I feel like, holy crap, this guy is doing something we weren't expecting him to do at all. And there's just so much potential. But it's so early in the season that I'm not, I mean, granted, I'm excited about it, but I'm not at the same level excited about it, if that makes sense. I agree with you that Gary's was more impressive because of how he single-handedly made the Yankees relevant after we thought that they gave up being relevant. So yeah, that's that's a big deal. I mean, I think that the scenario in that in that sense is huge. He also he he put himself into rookie of the year conversation with a month of baseball, and that's never happened before. So as awesome as what Judge is doing, I think the nod goes to Sanchez, and it's this is totally a recency bias thing, and that's fine because Judge, like I said, he's been awesome, and he's the most exciting player on the Yankees, most exciting player in baseball so far. But, like, have we already forgotten how freaking unbelievable Sanchez and how exciting Sanchez was in August and September of last year? Yeah, I think we have. I think everybody does forget how incredible he was. Maybe it's not as as much as they forget, but it's out of sight, out of mind, because he was not playing with Judge while Judge was doing these things. He was hurt, and Judge was just lighting the world on fire. So, yeah, out of sight, out of mind. Now that he's back... Let's let's see if these guys can get hot at the same time because that would be some exciting stuff watching these two guys, uh, you know, get get hot at the same time. That would be fun. It's also more impressive to hit twenty home runs in a month while catching than while playing right field. Yeah, I think I think everything with the way that it went down with Gary Sanchez and like you said, they were not competing really before that, and this is a guy who carried the team through the hardest you know, the hardest stretch of the baseball season. This is a guy who, you know, had not played that many games in his career either. I mean, that that has to be said because, you know, he's used to playing a minor league season. They they end earlier. He's going out there and playing in the, with the major league guys and dominating the entire major league baseball, uh, all the games while he's up here. So, yeah, I, I got to give the nod to Sanchez on this one. On August 1st of last year, after the Yankees traded everybody away, where would you have put Gary Sanchez on the Yankees like prospect list of the future. Like he wasn't, I don't even think in the top five in a lot of fans' minds. Well, with the, with the organization, he absolutely was. I mean, he was up there, but as far as people, I don't think a lot of people knew. I I don't think he was because once they traded for Torres and um, Frazier, those, both of them were in the top five. I think people were more still looking forward to Aaron judge in beginning of August of last year when Gary Sanchez got called up, even though Sanchez got the call up before judge did. And then we had Caprellian and the other pitching prospects. I mean, in in a month he put himself from, he's going to, the Yankees hope he can be their catcher of the future. Very nice player to this guy is going to be the centerpiece of the next Yankees championship. He did that in four weeks. Not only did he do that, but when he was in the minor leagues, I mean, he was not hitting, he was not a home run hitter in the minor leagues. He was also a guy where I think his defense went under the radar. The, the organization knew what kind of defense he has, but it really wasn't, I don't think, as marketed as much. It wasn't talked about as much as defense or, or the, the fact that his arm is just ridiculous. So I, I think when we saw both sides of the ball that this guy was dominating pretty much in all aspects of the game, it took everybody uh, It took everybody back a little bit. And, and the other thing is, I don't know, like when you're looking at the prospect list and he's up, and you're looking at all the guys that came over. I mean, they were the rage at that point because they were the guys that we had got. Everybody's, like you said, the recency bias. Everybody's looking at them, seeing what they are, who are these guys. And they were not in our system, and they were highly ranked. So that that goes a long way because we have not had the greatest history of, of top prospects doing well. So I think yeah. people were definitely more excited about those guys. But now everyone trusts Cashman. They didn't oh, trust yeah. him. Are you? Uh, they didn't trust him six months ago, but now now he's uh, maybe the hottest GM in the league. Except now that he's, he's allowed to allowed to do his job, you right. know, maybe he's allowed to do his job, and look what happens. So speaking of recency bias, we got our next mailbag question from Scott, and who knows, this might be you. Since it's still early in the season, I want to overreact to Aaron Judge's start. I think of all the current players in Major League Baseball, he has the best chance at becoming the all-time home run king. Do you agree, or who do you think has a better chance? This is an unbelievable question. It's an unbelievable question. And I'm pretty sure we have another one later about overreacting or no, this is the, this is the biggest overreaction one. So no, no, that's all I No, He's not going to be the all time home run King. 
I'm not even going to try to even think about something like that after yeah, we but played a month of baseball. 80 home runs a year for the next 20 years. Look, the league will make adjustments to Aaron Judge. There's no doubt about it. Gary Sanchez has, if you're looking at the way that he hits, the way his style, he's got a lot less holes in his swing in his game offensively than Aaron Judge. And if you're looking at some other players, Aaron Judge still has a long swing. I mean, granted, it's a compact swing for a guy who's 6'7 and 282, and he's made all the right adjustments. There's no doubt about it. He's got to get like just an unbelievable amount of credit. But as the season progresses, there will be there will be holes exposed on Aaron Judge. That this will be a thing. He will slump. He will not be hitting 330 or 340 by the end of the season. I guarantee that. Yes, He's I a agree. guy who's going to be 260, 270. I think that's the the top of his batting average in my opinion. So I you know, look, he's going to run into a ton of home runs. There's no doubt about it. I'm not even remotely trying to think about things like this yet. Let's let's let this kid breathe. Well, just for a little context, both Aaron Judge and Mike Trout are 25 years old, and Mike Trout has 150 some odd more home runs than Aaron Judge does. Yeah, oh, that's that's a good stat. He did come up. I forgot about that. People, I think, don't realize that either. Is that he's an old rookie? In, yeah. In baseball terms, he's an, he's an older rookie. So you're talking about home run king. He's gonna have to play a long time <laughs> in order for that to happen. And good luck getting a six eight guy that weighs 275, 280 pounds playing for an extended period of time to get a record like that not happening i think if anyone's ever going to break that record it will be somebody like trout or harper who comes up when they're 19 or 20 years old and then they just stay healthy their whole career and they play until they're 40 43 44 years old because that's that's honestly the only way you reach that is if yes you have to be a superstar and you have to hit a butt ton of home runs in your in your prime but you also have to just hang on and hit a bunch of home runs when you're in your late 30s and early 40s yeah, and if Bryce Harper does end up coming to Yankee Stadium, it will be a perfect situation for him to do it. Like you said, he came up super early. This is a guy that will will most likely hit uh, you know, a good amount of home runs for the rest of his career. And once his legs start going and he needs to do the DH spot and he's a Yankee, good good times uh, for him to be hitting into into right field as a DH. So he that's that's probably the guy that he has the best chance in my opinion. I think last week or maybe it was uh two or three shows ago, I casually dropped that 50 home runs is not out of the question for Aaron Judge, and you kind of mocked me. Do you still think it's out of the question? Yeah, I think it's out of the question still. He's not going to hit 50 home runs. I, I still think he's going to – I think if he hit 40, it would be it would be pretty remarkable at this point. I mean, granted, he he has – what does he have, 13 now? Yeah. The He's not going to stay at this pace. That's the thing. Everyone's like, well, he's got 13 already. It's only been a month. <laughs> well, no, he's not going to stay at this pace. It's just not going to happen – that's baseball, Susan. Nobody stays at that pace. It's not happening. So, you know, I think 40 at this point, I think 40 is absolutely realistic, though. So he's in the same class as Chris Carter. Yeah, he's in the same <laughs> class as Chris Carter. You're right. He's going to run into 40 home runs. <laughs> All right. What do we have next? Next one is from Noah Ballard. He says the bullpen has been so hyped this year and has kept an impressive ERA. But after the Orioles series, cracks are beginning to emerge. Holder can't seem to lock it down in pressure situations. Lane can't get three outs in a row. Mitchell and Sessa were just throwing batting practice and have since been optioned. Do you think the bullpen is as solid as the numbers indicate? And just some numbers on the Yankees' bullpen. They've pitched 84 innings, uh, 2.68 ERA, which is fourth in baseball, and they've allowed a 204 batting average against, which is all tremendous numbers. The, the thing about when you're looking at guys like Tommy Lane, and, and we, we got another People mailbag. were not happy with Tommy Lane on yeah, Saturday We've night. gotten some mailbags about Tommy Lane. I think there might have been a, a voicemail or two about Tommy Lane too. But yeah, I get it. Like he, he's one of those guys who is a he's – a, he's probably been on 30 teams. He's a left-hander. These guys will have jobs for the rest of their lives. Mike Stanton had a job forever because he's a left-handed middle reliever. Like literally I'm going to make my kid a left-handed middle who reliever because he'll have a job forever. Who was the kind of sidearm lefty that the Red Sox had and then the Yankees brought him over? And, and I think he played for legitimately like 15 teams in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't I think can't of his th- name. I can't think of his name either. Because, guess, like you said, they're they're faceless players. They just hang on and hang on. There's no better job than being a lefty mediocre reliever. You just make bank for being mediocre. Yeah, and you don't you barely do anything. I mean, you're 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 pretty much just occupying your time in the bullpen. And My, Mike Myers? Mike Mark, Myers was a Mike, Mike Myers. Myers. That's yeah. right. 
He was a uh, yeah. He was a one stop guy. He was just a lefty specialist. Oh yeah, coming. From he one wasn't guy just. Here. Yeah, Tommy Lane at least comes in on like you know when other lefties are not in. My, Myers was a one batter guy. That was it. He came in to face David Ortiz when he was up, and David Ortiz usually freaking hit him too. Oh yeah, I remember uh, one specific game at Fenway Park. David Ortiz took Myers deep, and it was like into howling wind, and he hit one like five hundred feet. It was just yeah. That always would piss me off when they would when they would, we'd have a lefty specialist and he couldn't get the guy out or he let up a huge home run. What the fuck? Where's, where's your? You have one job, one job. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's like Jason Shreve for a while, uh, 2015. But the, I, I tell you, the when you're looking at the the numbers, and he's right, Mitchell and Sessa were were not good, and they're they are they are part of the Scranton shuttle who will be up and back a hundred times probably. And there's guys down there. There's a guy that was, that was in the, in spring training with us that is in AAA now, Joe Mantiply. Remember him? I, I did like a Mandel. He reminds me of Mandelbaum, Mandelbaum, Mandelbaum. <laughs> That's and a name for you. Yeah. He's, he's a guy who I actually, I actually thought was going to be the lefty out of the, out of spring training. I thought, I thought he pitched really well in spring and he, he seems like he has more stuff. Anyway, the, the point is, is that that lefty, that lefty will, will change also. And there are guys in the, in the minor leagues, who can I think take that role? So I don't think Tommy Lane is very far off from a, from a, um, you know, getting getting released. And who cares? Like, who cares exactly? <laughs> like You're people right. were really freaking out about Tommy Lane, and I understand it was frustrating to watch on Saturday night. I mean, the Yankees had an eleven to three lead, and Tommy Lane just sucked, couldn't get anybody out. Miguel, friggin' Miguel Montero for the Cubs could get people out, and Tommy Lane couldn't get people out. But who cares? It's Tommy Lane. He's not going to be on this team. And if he is on this team, he's going to be pitching in mop-up role. I don't give a shit about Tommy Lane. I did have, though, sort of a an afterthought on that Brian Mitchell to, uh, pitching to first base back to pitcher thing. That was the game you were at, and then we had Rich on. So you and I really didn't talk about that game. No, but, and I had no idea what was happening, by the way. Zero oh yeah, clue was, what was going got, on. We all got Girardied. But... That he, Mitchell essentially had like an hour layoff. I, I yes, in theory, it was it was going to be really savvy for Girardi. You know, he was gonna he was gonna not burn a pitcher, and he was gonna come back in, and they were he was gonna, Mitchell was gonna be able to pitch deep into extra innings. But he pitched the eighth inning, and then he pitched the um, or excuse me, he pitched the ninth inning, and then he pitched the eleventh inning, and. By the time the 10th inning went by, it was like 45 minutes to an hour. So that's essentially like a pitcher sitting in a dugout for 45, 50 minutes. You don't expect that guy to come out fresh. So the more he's I not used to that it, either. The starters are the guys that can, you know, at least try to handle that. He's a relief pitcher right now. The more not, I thought about it, that. it's just Girardi. That's Girardi overmanaging. I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He didn't he drop a ball at first base too. I mean, there was a foul ball. I think he yeah. Dropped. And then he caught he caught one later in the at bat. Of course, the yeah. baseball so, gods give so, him second. By shot the way, apparently it. anybody can play first base. That's the thing. That's 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 what I got out of hey, that. Hey, Chris Carter's been playing a very smooth first base. He has been. Yeah. The like I said, anybody can play first base. He's no been problem. more valuable except to this for team except for Alex Rodriguez. He's been Alex more valuable Rodriguez cannot play first base to this team defensively than offensively. That's yeah. another you can't predict baseball moment. But to Noah's point, the the fact that they're hyped, let's get back to the point because I think yeah, what track. he's saying is, you know, the fact that they're they have that ERA and they had if you remember back to last year after they made all those trades, the ERA was almost identical, right? Afterwards from from what it was before. But the hype was before because of all the guys and the names and things like that. So the hype will continue because we have the names at the back, the Batantis, the Chapman, and uh and Clippard. Clippard has not been good so far. He hasn't been bad, but he's been um, he, he's been David Robert, David Robertson, like, uh, you know, I don't know. He, he lets a lot of guys on. It seems like he gives you a lot of, Oh shit moments, mm-hmm. but he yeah, I have been not terrible. felt comfortable when he's on the mound, but he hasn't been, I mean, he's gotten out of the situation. His usually. numbers look okay, but yeah, there's exactly. something about when he's pitching, I'm, I'm kind of on the edge of my seat. I have more confidence when, uh, Adam Warren's on the mound than when Clippard so far this year. And to the point of Holder, I, I do think that Girardi is bringing him in slowly. I, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I think he pulled him out early at one batter. I don't remember what game that was, but I, I think he's he's really trying to put him in positions to succeed. And, you know, I, I do think Holder will be a guy that we can look at who's getting valuable experience right now, who's going to come back and be, uh, you know, a crucial part of his bullpen later in the season. I think he's going to be one of those guys. He's got really good stuff. I think the Yankees think very highly of him. So he's kind of he's one of those guys to watch as as almost like in the Warren role. Like if he can really get that 
the confidence of Girardi. I could see him being in, in a similar type role later in the season. But I'm I'm still fine. I think this, I think the bullpen's good. We have some revolving doors, but who doesn't in their bullpen? They're middle relievers for a reason. The bullpen's not going to be as good as it was in the first half of last year when they had the three-headed monster, but no bullpen will ever be that good again. But anytime you have Betances and Chapman in a bullpen, it's going to be fine. It's still going to be a strength on this team. If the Yankees falter this season, I really highly doubt it's going to be because of the bullpen. All right, next up, we have a question from Caden Robinson, and he says, with big pitching coming up in free agency do the Yankees go after a guy like Jake Arietta? And I was looking at the names on the 2018 free agent starting pitchers, and they were not as good as I thought or as what you'd think uh, based on this question. Uh, yes, Arietta's a free agent, but he's going to be 32 years old. Marco Estrada, John Lackey, Jeremy Hellickson, like these are the names we're looking at for 2018 uh, starting pitchers for agents. Yeah, to me that makes it, even more interesting when you're looking at Tanaka opting out and yep. what what we do with Pineda after he's pitching well this season, like we all freaking predicted. You know he's going to pitch well just to drive us insane for another three-year oh, yeah. contract, four-year contract. Oh, if he keeps this up, it's going to be more than that. I mean, look at the names on that list. Pineda will be potentially the second most sought-after pitcher. Did I say Tanaka? I meant Pineda. If if Tanaka's on the market, he'll be the most sought-after pitcher. Yes. If Pineda is on the market, I think, other than Arietta, he'll, yeah. he'll be the most sought-after starting pitcher, which is insane. Yeah. They're, they're still – I feel like the contracts for pitchers are still – they're not as long as they were. They're, I think a three- to four-year deal is one that you can – how many years did um, – what's his face? Blister Boy get from the Dodgers? Three, three years? But he's, but he's 39 years old. I mean, uh, how old so is Pineda? I, I, Pineda's still young, 27, right? Yeah, he's he's in his late twenties, so I you know I still think he's going to be twenty eight. Probably a four year contract is 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 uh, realistic. Anyway, whatever. The fact is, yes, I think Marco Estrada of of all of those guys is the one that I would want the most. He wouldn't command the most money. Arietta would probably command a lot of money. He's been on and off. I don't trust him because of his Baltimore years either. <laughs> and Estrada is just one of those guys who goes in. Uh, Marco Estrada reminds me of Corota, um, where he's he just goes old in. Too, right? How old is he? I don't think Marco Estrada is that old. He's got to be around thirty. Thirty-three. Anyway, he, Thirty-three. Fine. Okay. Again, even more of a comparison to Corota. Then he's just the guy who goes in there, doesn't throw hard, but he nibbles. He hits his spots. I he never really nibblers. gets hit hard. He's a guy. He's a great four-five guy. This is a guy that that can really solidify the back of a rotation, in my opinion. But because of those names, like you said earlier, there, Tanaka would be crazy not to opt out. He's going to be the top pitching. He's going to be the top arm on the free agent market. He'd be foolish yeah. not to opt out. Yes, you're right. He's going to opt out. <laughs> he's going to opt out. But I, I, I do. I, he, I think he's going to stay. I really do. Looking at this list and seeing what's what's happening with this team right now. Remember we talked about how when we said that Tanaka, because if the Yankees were to give him money, it would have to be, we'd have to know that the rest of this team was doing well, right? We'd have we'd have to know that the, this team was going on the path that they thought they were going, so that they could use the the prime years of Tanaka at the at you know close to the prime years or just before the prime years of of this young team, and it's trending to that and in that direction. I mean, this team is ahead of. Ahead of pace in what we thought it was going to be. We all thought that 2018 was going to be the first season that they would really compete, and they're doing it now. It's happening, and who knows if it continues? But it's continue. It's happening right now, and I do think it will continue. So this is a guy that they know what they're getting from him. I can definitely see them locking him down, especially when you look at those other names. The other th- the other option is they're going to go out. You know, maybe they could do something on the trade market, but that's um, because they do have the arsenal for a trade. That's one thing to look at. Yeah. But Tanaka is a guy that they're they're probably going to the, continue. Pineda is one of those guys that just I'm sure drives everybody in the front office nuts too, just just like everybody else watching. I mean, the dude's got all world talent, but who God knows what you're getting. Yeah, proceed at your own risk with Pineda. Yeah, granted, he's been great this year though. I mean, good for him. Right, but proceed at your own risk. <laughs> Got to get that money. <clears throat> All right, final questions from Nathan, and he says, would you rather have Chris Carter be the everyday center fielder or have Brian Mitchell be the everyday first baseman? I would rather have Brian Mitchell be the everyday first baseman. Yes, but it would be more fun to watch Chris Carter try and catch balls out in center field. 
Not if I'm a Yankee fan. No, not <laughs> if you're a Yankee fan. No, it would not be fun at all, actually. I, then we have to see him hit, too. So I'd rather watch Brian Mitchell hit. I, uh, I was genuinely thinking Chris Carter was going to strike out against um, Montero yes, on, uh, on Saturday night. I was honestly scared for everybody. I, I really, I was like, none of these guys could strike out. Please don't strike. I really, wa- I really didn't want Chase Headley to strike out because oh, I didn't want to hear it from you. Gonna... I know you did. And the other, and Ref Snyder. I'm glad Ref Snyder just saw the first fastball and just hit it as hard as he could. That error from from our boy Ref was not did not. It was a tough play, but yeah, he should have he should have at least gloved it. That's not going to go a long way for playing time for Rob Ref Snyder. Let's just say that. No, it's not. It's not. Um, all right, we're going to take you guys out with voicemails for the first time. We want to get this going. We want people to leave uh, a hot take, a question, not a question, a hot take, a rant, a, a funny quip, a soliloquy, whatever it may be on the voicemail line. You can do that by calling 646-480-0342. You can tweet us at Yankees Podcast, at Andrew underscore Rotondi, at Scott Reinen, and submit mailbag questions at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. So... Enjoy listening to these voicemails, and we'll talk to you guys in a few days. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. It only took six hours, but we did it. We swept the Cubs. I got to imagine Girardi's beating his head about pulling Holly and Judge, but he got it done. Double header in one night. 20 wins. Yankees are looking great so far. Just Girardi's overmanaging again. Go Yankees. I want to complain about the strike box that comes on ESPN. I hate it. I got something to say. As much as we have been saying that we want to trade Brett Gardner and the fact that this guy has no future on this team, has been beat up and has not done very well at the end of seasons, I will be the first to admit that I am wrong. This guy is obviously very crucial and part of the heart and soul of this team. And when you are down to nothing after failing and failing with runners in scoring position in the top of the ninth inning, and you hit a three-run bomb where balls are not leaving the park, where the wind is catching everything, that's ridiculous. This is a guy that cannot only be measured with the numbers on the back of his baseball card, but be measured in the intangibles that he has and the leadership that he brings to the team. Watching him run the bases, just getting fired up, just absolutely makes me know that I was wrong about about Brett Gardner, and this is a guy that absolutely should be on this team. Go Yankees. With five nothing lead, it's important to worry about the important things. Joe Bucks, thanks. I mean, I'm watching this first inning, and it's fucking crazy, right? Uh, first seven guys got six hits, three doubles, or four doubles. I don't even fucking know. Who cares? Um, this seems fun to watch, man. This is, this is the most fun Yankees team I think I've seen. Um, honestly, since I've been alive, I mean, oh no, I'm fun, but this team's I think more talented. Um, pitching's not there, but uh, we'll get there. Um, this lineup is serious. I think it's, I think it's the best lineup in baseball. And I mean that. Yes, this is Mark calling from North Carolina. Uh, just sitting here watching the game, pumped up after that five-run first inning. And uh, hopefully we get a good start out of money and get this win. Uh, got two outs so far, so it's looking good. But, uh, hey, we're playing well. We're winning games. That's what the Yankees are about. Aaron Judge, the next Derek Jeter. Yankees are taking it. All the way. World Series, baby. Let's go. Come on. I can't watch Chris Carter hit anymore. I just can't. I mean, what? what? can you imagine this lineup with Greg Bird is healthy and, and, and swinging the bat like Greg Bird swings the bat? I mean, we got to get him off first base. Chris Carter is, is an outlier on this team. The only thing I can think of is putting Hadley at first and, and putting Perea at third. I mean, I'd rather have Perea in the lineup than, than Carter. I mean, what, what do you guys think?
Yeah, I, so I understand that Carter is a first baseman, but, and Matt Holliday isn't, but why wouldn't you already play Matt Holliday if he's having better at bats and having better year? Wow, this game is really frustrating. Could it stop something in the six? And then you take the bat out of Holliday's hand in extra innings? Four choices. Four choices. Are you kidding me? With that win last night, down nine to one, Aaron Judge is a three-run bomb, down nine to four, and then Ellsbury comes and hits a grand slam, down eleven to eight, and then Matt Holiday in the tenth, in what all his man, Wolverine himself, it's a three-run jack to win the game, no undershirt. I love it. I love it. I love what this team's doing. I'm all in, baby. Have a good day, boys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.